0: All right. Good morning. How is everyone today? Sounds very fantastic. Frank said use my outside voice, but I'm a little can you can tell. I don't know if it's I sound you always sound weird in your own head. I think I just think like today's like a bad allergy day or something. So bear with me. Maybe it's just me and we'll be fine for today. So Well, good morning, as we said, and I hope everybody, it seems like over this last week we've kind of gotten into the full blast of summer mode, which I am not a fan of. I certainly do not enjoy these hot days, and I'm looking forward to the cold and the snow just like everyone else, right? I know you all hate it, but I would love to get a few huge snowstorms. I just think that's the way life should be. So maybe I'm in the minority, and that's okay. All right, so today, remember, we're beginning a new sermon series. We're beginning a series where we're going to spend 13 weeks of what it means to to live for Christ, something that we're going to be calling Growing in Christ. And today, as we have this intro, I've titled this message, The Living the Worthy Life, and what it means and how we are to live out our days here on this earth as we await our eternal life. Before we dive in, I thought it would be a good idea to kind of reflect and to think of the journey that we have been on in our messages, in our sermon series of where we've been. So we're going to turn back the clock and think all the way back to the great year of 2018. Everybody remember that great year, the year of what it was in 2018. Well, in 2018, we started a two-year preaching series, remember? We went from the book of Genesis all the way through Revelation, going book by book each week, sometimes spending a little more time in other books than others. But we spent two years, so 2018 and 2019, going all the way from Genesis to Revelation. And and we did that because we thought it was important for us, important for us as a church to understand the scriptures, to, to know what each book taught, to know the themes of the book and what was happening along with those. Then, well also a challenge then after that and remember what we did oh some people have listened some people need to go back online and start from the beginning so in 2019 well, no 2020 sorry because we spent 2 years in those books so in 2020 we, we spent the first part of that year that's why I threw you guys all off right I'm giving you an excuse. Use it. All right. So here we are that in 2020, we started the statement of faith. And we've gone through all these things talking about what we believe as a church, what we believe scripture teaching us, and why we have this statement of faith as a church in general. Then we know after that we spent the end of 2020 and into the beginning of this year in the book of Acts, looking at then what we believe and then how this church began and not just our church but the church in general. How the gospel spread after the time of the gospels throughout the Roman Empire. And we looked and we studied the book of Acts chapter by chapter. All that now leads us to the series we have now. Because of what the books of the Bible teach, because of the statement of faith that we have, as we see the church grow through the book of Acts, now how do we live this out? How do we live out this this mature and growing life in Christ? And that's what we're going to do as as we spend 13 weeks looking at various topics of of understanding what it means to live out this Christian life. And and the great part about this is, is this is kind of the the way a lot of the New Testament writers wrote their letters. A a lot of the books after the Gospels, they would spend the first part of their letters kind of explaining doctrinal and some theology points. And, And then they would come to a transition word, usually a word like Therefore, or but, or any kind of ones. Those are the only ones I know because I'm not very good in the English language. So those are those transition words. And the best example of this is Romans 12, right? Where you get that great therefore. Therefore we live our lives as a living sacrifice. And that therefore is because of all that Paul has been writing in Romans 1 through 11. And then he comes to this point and says, now this is how you live it out. And that's where we are today. And that's where we're going to be in this series, living out the truth of the Scriptures. So we're going to cover a a lot of topics in this series. We're going to cover topics such as maturity, freedom, marriage, divorce, family structure, love for others, speech, stewardship, personal quiet time and study, evangelism, and testimony in the world. And all these can be great topics and hard topics. And we want to see where we need growth in our lives. And examine ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives in a way that says, yes, I I want to be like Christ. I want to be more like Christ. Well, with all that being said, it's time for us to jump in. And we're going to start looking at the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. But before we do, let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come and, and gather in your name this morning. Lord, I often think about those who on Sundays have to meet in fear of persecution. Lord, give them the strength that they need as they meet and gather together in secret. Lord, Lord, we thank you for their boldness, and we pray that we could have just a small portion of their boldness. Lord, now as we open up your word, be with us in this series. Challenge us, convict us of where we fall short. We thank you for all your blessings, and it's in your son's name we pray amen. Well, is there any Marvel fans in the house? Anybody enjoy some of those great Marvel movies? I know we we often watch, and no one just came out this weekend, so if you haven't watched it yet, I won't say any spoilers, but our our family loves watching the Marvel movies, and we love the various movies that occur, and the characters within those, and there's one... Particular thing that flows through the themes of the movies, and it's that this guy Thor. Everybody kind of understand Thor, know who Thor is. He has this hammer, and, and this hammer can only be held by those who would be deemed worthy to wield this hammer. And, and in one of the scenes in the movie Age of Ultron, the the various characters are deciding and, and trying to lift up this hammer. The character of Hawkeye begins and says. And kind of in a mocking way, he says, only those who deemed worthy shall have this power. So one by one, they all try grabbing this hammer. They try to lift this hammer off this table. And as they've all failed and struggled in various ways, Thor then comes and just in the slightest and small way just lifts his hammer. And he mockingly says to them that they are all not worthy. Not worthy to lift his mighty hammer. Now, not all of us, well, none of us, can be Marvel superheroes. But hopefully we have a a different desire in our lives, a a desire to be worthy, not of lifting a hammer, but to be called worthy in the eyes of our Heavenly Father, and and to live a life that brings honor and glory to Him. Today we'll be looking at a few verses, as I said, in Ephesians chapter 4. And remember how I talked about earlier of how these letters were kind of structured. A lot of doctrinal teaching in the beginning and then application at the end. And that's exactly the pattern that Paul follows here in Ephesians. In chapters 1 through 3, he's developing this theology, this this teaching about God providing salvation for us. Salvation by grace. Making us a spiritual dwelling place. The, The unity between Jew and Gentile. And now he comes to Ephesians chapter 4. And the uh, Christian writer, Ironside, he kind of sums it up in this way as thinking of this book of Ephesians. He says, In view of the fact that we have been redeemed to God by the precious blood of Christ, in view of the fact that I am a member now of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, in view of the fact that I am a living stone built into the temple of God by the Holy Spirit, that temple in which he dwells, he says now this. He says, my behavior is to be ordered of God. I am to walk worthy of the vocation or the calling that I have been given. What he's saying is in view of what God has done, because of all God has done for us, that I want to live my life for him. I want to live in a way that brings honor and praise to him. So let's go ahead now and read Ephesians 4, verse 1 to start. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of his calling, to which you have been called. Paul writes to those in Ephesus, and he's urging them to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling that they've been given. It's something that important here as he describes himself. Did you catch how he describes himself? He says, I am a, a prisoner for the Lord. Now, if you remember back to the Acts series that we just finished. We remember at the end of Acts, Paul finds himself a prisoner, a prisoner of Rome, of his own kind of decree, really, because remember, the Romans found no reason for him to be arrested. They said, if this man had not appealed to Caesar, well, then we would have just let him go. But he appealed. He gave up his rights. He gave up his freedoms in honor to be a prisoner, as he says, for the Lord, not of Rome. You see, and sometimes as we live out our lives, we're called to give up our freedoms, to give up our way of life, to be a prisoner for the Lord, to not live in a way in which the world calls us to live. See, to follow Christ, to be free in Christ, is to be a prisoner for Christ. And we'll talk about that even within our message, of how freedom doesn't always give us the freedom to do whatever we want. But we want to do everything that is worthy of the Lord. It kind of made me think about as we're going through our our daily readings, we kind of are back in the book of Matthew if you're kind of keeping up uh, with with the uh, reading plan. And in Matthew 10, Jesus says these words. He says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He's saying there, I will give up my life. I will give up my freedoms. I will be a prisoner for Christ if it means being found worthy of a life for him. In this series, as we go through these various messages, we're going to be called to, to turn our backs on the world. To not live in a way in which the world has called us to live. We want to be found worthy of Christ. We want to grow in him, and our lives should affect that. So we want to live our lives in in a way in which we are prisoners for Christ and not of this world. Paul moves on, and he uses the word urge. Paul uses strong words to to show the desire that he has for them to live this worthy life. He, He urges them. Some translations even say, implore, I implore you to follow this life. The idea is this spurring one another on, spurring other on to a higher achievement, a higher level of life. You often kind of see this, again, as I always say, in sport movies, right? There's always this kind of ragamuffin team that has like no skill, like no reason to even be on the athletic field. But then they get this great coach, this great coach who urges them and spurs them on to greatness and somehow they become this great championship team in all that they do. And you see how the coach works with them, pushing them, striving them to be better than what they could be. And Paul here is urging us onto this worthy life, saying continue on, push on, spur on. I implore you to live this life which will honor the Father. The next thing we see in that passage is the word walk. And we're going to spend quite a few time, our time here in this, because Paul will use this word many times to describe our Christian walk. This idea that we're on this journey together. You know, now that summer vacations are upon us, right, people are, are traveling and going to different locations. And, and I'll say growing up, we pretty much, we, well, we, not pretty much, we didn't fly anywhere. We drove wherever we were going, all the time, everywhere. We hooked up the trailer to my dad's car and we went out and we drove, right? They're back, there waving, that's what it is. And and what we would do was get this awesome thing. Maybe you guys got these too, but you would go to AAA and you would get these trip ticks, right? And it was like a little portfolio kind of thing and they would highlight your route and they would kind of say, hey, there's different places to stop along this route. And, And we would love that as a kid, as we were going to the, Arch in St. Louis, or the Corvette Museum, or or wherever we were going on all these vacations, we we would follow this trip, we would try and always find the best campground that we could stop at for all these things, but it it served as our guide. We we would follow that highlighted route, and I guess it's so much better now because it's all on your phones and everything, you can actually know what time you're going to get places, but you know, it's okay to go old school and use a map every so often, because that was our guide, and that's how we knew the place to go. And what Paul is going to use here, he's going to let this be our our triptychs. He's going to let this be our our guide and say, okay, we want to walk this worthy life. What do we have to do? What path do we have to follow? And he's going to lay it out for us as we go through this. He's going to show us the right path to go. So for this, I want to skip down uh, to verse 17. And, And what Paul is going to do, he's going to contrast, and he does this a lot. He does this in Colossians, and he does this in other places of contrasting what the walk is and what the walk isn't. So follow along here, starting in verse 17. He says, Now this I say and testify to the Lord, that you must no longer hear this again walk as the Gentiles do, and the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. They have become callous, and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, practice every kind of impurity. We'll pause right there for now. And an interesting thing is, when, when you read about the, the history within the city of Ephesus, you, you realize that it was a city full of sin. It was a very important city in the Roman Empire. It was a leading place of, of trade and culture. But also, as you know, there were, if maybe you don't know, but there was one of the seven wonders of the world, was there in Ephesus the the temple to Diana, or also Artemis, the, the the god of childbirth for them, the god of fertility, and then a lot of immorality surrounded this worship. A, a lot of prostitution, a lot of terrible things would happen in this area, and the sin abounded in the city of Ephesus. So as Paul is writing, he is writing to Christians who, who came out of this background, and his message is clear. He says, do not live like that anymore. He says, no longer walk as those Gentiles do. He talks about the the futility of their minds, the the darkness of their hearts, the the callousness. They're alienated from God. Their, Their sensuality, their greed, and they practice every kind of impurity. It was the people who lived by what they wanted and what they desired seeking a life that would fulfill them and please them. It's a life that brings emptiness, the fruitless life, the darkness as though they were blind, distance from God, ignorance. They rejected and turned away from God. It's very familiar to the passage you read about in Romans 1, where Paul is talking and says these people have just turned their backs on God. They ignore God, and God just turns them over to all their shameless pride in what they do. The greed mentioned really shows the heart, the bigger picture of what's happening here. See, greed is is never satisfied. Greed always wants more and more. And you see, sin never satisfies. It always leaves us wanting more and more, and we're never satisfied except when we find our life in Christ And that's what Paul goes to. In verse 20, he changes the whole writing, and he says this. Again, one of those transition words. He says, but. He says, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupted through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self, created in the likeness of God and in the righteousness of holiness. And he says that is not the way you learned. That is not what we taught you. I came to you. I preached Christ. He talks about the old self. Now, I want to talk to a lot of the parents in the room. And as you have infants, maybe everybody has probably experienced this in some way maybe with a niece or a nephew or a child friend that you have or something but every so often your kids have what is known in the world as a blowout everybody tracking with me do i need to go into a lot of details of what's going to be happening here remember it involves a, a number 2 sometimes that you know kind of comes through the diaper and gets on their clothes it gets Sometimes all over their back, and it can be quite a disgusting experience. So, so we as parents, we come in that first, we freak out, right? Oh my gosh, oh no. And then what do we do? We take off the, those old, disgusting clothes, and we throw them away. We don't even want those clothes close to anything in our lives. Get those nasty clothes out of here. And we wash them, and we bathe them, and we make them new, and we put new clothes on them. What Paul is saying here is, is get that blowout stuff of your life out of there. Get that disgusting stuff off of you. Clothe yourselves in Christ. Make yourself new. The new self, which is created in the likeness of God. That is the worthy life. That is what we desire. Not that gunk, not that sin that corrupts our lives. Paul will say the same thing to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians where he says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Things are different. We chase after the worthy things of our lives. What is that worthy life? I'm glad you asked because I know you were asking that question. Paul goes on to explain that in verse 25 through 32. He says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. He says, Do not be angry. He says, Well, be angry, but do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. He says, Don't give the opportunity to the devil. He says, To the thief, no longer steal. He says, labor and do honest work. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is for building up, which fits the occasion. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away for you, along with all malice. Then he ends that section, he says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted." Forgiving one another as God forgave you. It's quite a list that he lays out for us. And again, Paul will do this in various different places. Go to Colossians 3 and see the other place where he talks about this new and this old self and these things that we should throw off and these things that we should put on. Of falsehood, of being honest people, of not lying. Of being angry and not sinning in our anger. Do we get green like the hawk in our anger? Sorry, I've been watching a lot of Marvel, so that's what it is. Do we get green and large like the hawk, or, or do we handle our anger in a better way? We don't even give the devil a foothold or an opportunity to cause us to stumble. We stay clear, we, we let things go, but we don't even put ourselves in situations that would be unwarranted of the unworthy life. I, I had a professor who would say often in classes, He would say, would you want to be caught doing whatever it is you're doing when Christ comes back? Or or would you be embarrassed and say, oh no, this is what I'm doing as my Lord and Savior comes back to this earth. He says, don't steal, no corrupt talk, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, no wrath, slander, malice. Instead, he says, be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiven. This is a theme that will carry out through the rest of the book of Ephesians. And he'll cover a lot of the topics that we're going to be talking about again as a church family as we go through this series. I mentioned them before and I won't mention them again, but there's a long list of things that will be tough topics that will cut into our life and expose us for where we need to grow. I hope that we can examine ourselves during this series and allow the Holy Spirit to make us more like Christ. This is an important part of the Christian life. It's self-examination. No one likes to look into their own lives and see where they fall short, but we need to do that. We need to see where we can grow. All of this is because we want to live that walk worthy of the calling that we have to bring honor to Him. It's the same message that Paul, John mentioned, John, they mentioned 1 Corinthians 6 last week, and I want to mention the end of the chapter. It's because we were bought with the price of the precious blood of Jesus Christ which is why we live this life we want to live. It's in First Corinthians chapter six at the end where he says, flee sexual immorality. Again, he's coming back to this urge. I urge you. He says, flee sexual immorality. He says then later on, it says, Because you were bought with a price. And here's the goal for us: to glorify God in our body. As I said, it's kind of that triple-A. Triptychs, as we go through and we, and we follow this path that has been laid out for us. We're currently studying in the 9 a.m. class, 1 Peter. And 1 Peter is all about living this holy life. Peter writes, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who was called you was holy, so also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You might like some of the messages in this series. You might not like some of the messages in this series. But it's important that we grow in Christ and that we align ourselves with his word. Like, no one wants to be called a sinner, but that's what we all are. And really, as we go through this, what we're talking about is the kind of the, the fancy word we use of, of sanctification. It's a fancy word at, at talking about the Holy Spirit within us, making us more and more like Christ. You know, the saying goes that we will never be sinless in this world. But our goal is to sin less, to seek to be more like Christ in our lives. So as we are today as so many Christians, we're, we're afraid to stand out in the world. We're afraid, to. we want to blend in. We, we don't want to look different. However, that is not our call. Our, our call is to be different, to stand out, to be the salt and the light of the world, This series will help us see how we are to live in a world that is not godly, to live a life that is defined by Scripture. So let's go back to our main passage for today, back to Ephesians 4. And we're going to continue reading in verses 2 and 3. I'll read the whole thing beginning in verse 1. I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirits in the bond of peace. So we've kind of already covered verse 1, being a prisoner, giving up freedoms for Christ, of being an urging for living this worthy walk of Christ. And then as I was studying this and I was looking at verses 2 and 3, what really came to mind was the attitude that we should have as we go through this series of these words that should define us as, as we give self-examination, to, to be those who are humble, gentle, patient, bearing with each other in love, in, in unity, and the bond of peace. Because it's, the problem is, as soon as we start talking about sin, everybody starts making a list of, of who's been naughty and who's been nice, and we're checking it twice just to find out who's naughty and nice. But I hope that is not our message for us today. As the old saying goes, every time you point your finger at someone else, you have three fingers pointing back at you. And we understand that we we all fall short. Now, we might not have the, the same struggles that everybody struggles with, but we have struggles in our lives. And we want to approach this with humility. Understand that we don't think of ourselves as better than anyone else. That we are all on a level playing field, seeking to be more and more like Christ. It's the attitude that Christ showed for us. The attitude of coming here and not thinking of himself as better than anyone else. But coming as a humble servant, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. So as we go through this, we want to approach this with humility. We also want to approach it with gentleness. You see, there is a time to come strong on sin, but there is also a time for gentleness. And as various preachers will be on stage during this time, we hope to be gentle, but presenting the truth in an honest way. Some translations, instead of gentleness, will say meekness. And it's this idea of power under control, of not hoarding it over people, but of being gentle and humble and kind in our approach to Scripture. Next one we saw was patience. Some, I love how some translations translate the word patience. They say long-suffering. Anybody ever had any long-suffering with somebody? Maybe some students. Some long-suffering of coming alongside someone and being patient with them and caring for them on their journey of being more Christ-like. So we want to be patient. We're not going to be free of sin until Christ comes back, but we still want to be ridding our lives of sin In the meantime, we want, as I said, to be more like Christ. Then we come to the next part of of bearing with each other in love and unity and peace. You see, we're all in this together. The church is united. All the people who make up the church are one with each other. We live our daily lives connected with each other. We care for one another. We, We live in a place of unity, spurring each other on again, urging each other on to this life of worthiness, of being considered worthy in our Lord and Savior. And I came across this great example from Nature as I was reading some of the various commentaries. And this guy was explaining how the the, the, the California great sequoia trees are huge, right? Sometimes they can be as tall as, as 300 feet tall. What is amazing, though, is that their root system is actually quite shallow and sometimes maybe only 12 or, or 14 feet deep, which when you consider how tall they are, it is not that large. So what are they doing? Where are they getting their strength? Well, this article was saying that a lot of times, as they're so shallow, that these trees grow in, with each other. There's not really one growing out. They grow in groves. And, and what happens is this, this root system that they all have becomes intertwined with each other. And, and as they interlock with each other, they become stronger. So as the winds blow and as the storms rise, these trees support each other. They lift each other up and they give each other strength. And I think we can see the picture of it is for the church. That we come alongside each other. We get into the muck with each other. We get into each other's lives. And we support each other. We lift each other up and our roots grow together. And we are stronger together than we are apart. It's quite this journey that Paul takes us on through this book of Ephesians, just alone in this chapter 4 that we've been looking at. So let's review kind of where we've been for today. We see Paul, a prisoner for the Lord. He gave up his freedoms, his rights, so that he could follow the Lord. He denied himself. He took up his cross in order that he might be found worthy Of yielding Thor's hammer. No, that's not what we're talking about. Worthy of living this life for Christ. I will deny myself, I will become a prisoner for the Lord. From there, Paul urges us as believers to walk in a manner which is worthy of the gospel. We spent most of our time here today because this is the heart of this series, the heart of this message is to be growing in Christ to see where he is guiding us, to be more and more like him. We've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, what we do is we honor God with our lives. And then we've seen that how we close this message is with this idea of how we relate to each other. We relate to each other in a sense of humility and gentleness and patience, long-suffering, bearing with each other, and unity and peace. I invite the worship team to make their way up as as we begin and get ready to close for today. And maybe you are, are sitting here and you're stuck in that old self. You're stuck in that blown out outfit to get descriptive of that. And you realize that you are in need of salvation. Well, today is the day of salvation. Scripture says that if we repent and turn from our sin and believe in Jesus Christ then we are made new. We begin a new life in Jesus Christ. What we need to do is confess our sin, admit that we fall short to the standard that he has set for us. He has come and lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. And he died on the cross, a punishment that we deserve. He was the payment for sin. We are now given by grace through faith in his life. He showed that he had conquered death and sin. Today can be your day of salvation. Do not leave here without talking with somebody about Jesus, talking about the sin in your life and how you want to be free and have this new life and no longer have that blown out outfit. For those who already believe in Christ, know that Christ has defeated sin. Sin no longer reigns in our lives, but we still have this struggle within us. We still have this struggle of every day seeking this new life, living a life for him. Let's be challenged and let's encourage each other to put on this new life, to live a life that is worthy of the gospel. Faith Fellowship, as we begin this series, I hope that we are challenged to grow in Christ, to live a life that is worthy of the life that he has called us to. Let's be a church that is deemed worthy. Let's be a people who are deemed worthy, and let's be a church that helps each other that encourages each other on this path. Let's pray. God, help us in our daily walks with you. May the Spirit work within us to guide us and help us to flee the sinful desires of our lives. Lord, I pray that this message would challenge everyone in the same way that it has challenged me to live the worthy life. Lord, help us to remain humble, gentle, patient, and loving in this series. I pray for those who do not know you, that they would be cut to the sin in their lives and realize how far away from you they are. I pray that the Spirit would awaken them to new life in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray these things and we worship these things in your Son's name. In Jesus' name, amen.